1: I'm Angela Ledgerwood, and this is Lit Up, a podcast about books, writers, life, and love, and all things literary. Welcome to Lit Up for this week. Today we have Karl Ove Knausgard with us. Uh, to say I've been looking forward to this is an understatement. I'm sure you've all maybe heard on Instagram or Twitter that it's happening. Now he is best known for the six-volume sensation, My Struggle. Um, and today we'll talk about his new book, Autumn, which is addressed to his unborn daughter and the first in a quartet based on The Four Seasons. I hope you love this interview as much as I did. Uh, I felt, felt like we were in our own little time capsule and what, a, what, a, what an honor and pleasure it was um, to have this experience. So I hope you get to be a fly on the wall and enjoy it too. It's my great pleasure to have Carl Ove Knausgard here. Um, first, I have to say that I had help preparing things because I've loved your books for so long. But I've also had so many friends who have too, and one friend in particular, Annabel Hickson in Australia, and she lives on a pecan farm with her family, three kids, on the very northern New South Wales border. Mm. And she devours your books. And we've had the most um, kind of beautiful back and forth of her taking pictures of the passages she loves and, you know, that she's underlined and going back and forth. So kind of it's a group effort. All these questions have come from many people. So Mm, welcome.
2: Thank (laughs) you very much.
1: And we're here to talk about Autumn, uh, the first in a quartet of books uh, devoted to your then, I guess, unborn child. Yeah. Um, So maybe let's get right into it so we can kind of give everyone a sense of where this begins.
2: So I'll read from the beginning of the book. That's the experience I've gained from working in the garden. There's no reason to be cautious or anxious about anything. Life is so robust. It seems to come cascading, blind and green. And at times it is frightening because we too are alive but we live in what amounts to a controlled environment, which makes us fear whatever is blind, wild, chaotic, stretching towards the sun, but most often also beautiful, in a deeper way than purely visual. For the soil smells of rot and darkness, teems with scuttling beetles and convulsing worms. The flower stalks are juicy, their petals brim with scents, and the air, cold and sharp, warm and humid, filled with sun rays or rain, lies against skin, accustomed to to the indoors like a soothing compress of hairness. Behind the main house lies the road, which ends some hundred meters further on, in a sort of abandoned little semi-industrial area. The buildings have corrugated tin roofs, and the windows are broken, engines and axle shafts lie rustling outside, almost disappearing into the grass. On the other side, behind the house in which I am sitting, there is a large farm building made of red brick. It is beautiful to look at, towering up amid the green foliage. Red and green, they mean nothing to you. But to me, those two colours contain so much. Something within them exerts a powerful pull. And I think this is one of the reasons why I have become a writer. For I feel that pull so strongly. And I know that it's important, but I lack the words to express it. And therefore, I don't know what it is. I have tried and I have capitulated. My capitulations is the books I have published. You can read them someday. maybe you will understand what I mean. The blood flowing through the veins, the grass growing in the soil, the trees, oh, the trees swaying in the wind. These astounding things, which you will soon encounter and see for yourself, are so easy to lose sight of. And there are almost as many ways of doing that as there are people. That is why I'm writing this book for you. I want to show you the world as it is, all around us, all the time. Only by doing so will I myself be able to glimpse it. What makes life worth living? No child asks itself that question. To children, life is self-evident. Life goes without saying. Whether it is good or bad makes no difference. This is because children don't see the world, don't observe the world, don't contemplate the world, but are so deeply immersed in the world that they don't distinguish between it and their own selves. Not until that happens, until a distance appears between what they are and what the world is, does the question arise, what makes life worth living? Is it the feeling of pressing down the door handle and pushing the door open? feeling it swing inward or outward on its hinge, always easily and willingly, and entering a new room? Yes, the door opens like a wing, and that alone makes life worth living. To someone who has lived for many years, the door is obvious, the house is obvious, the garden is obvious, the sky and the sea are obvious, Even the moon, suspended in the night sky and shining brightly above the rooftops, is obvious. The world expresses its being, but we are not listening. And since we are no longer immersed in it, experiencing it as a part of ourselves, it is as if it escapes us. We open the door, but it doesn't mean anything. It is nothing, just something we do to get from one room to another. I want to show you our world as it is now. The door, the floor, the water tap and the sink, the garden chair close to the wall beneath the kitchen window, the sun, the water, the trees. You will come to see it in your own way. You will experience things for yourself and live a life of your own. So, of course, it is primarily for my own sake that I'm doing this. Showing you the world, little one. Makes my life worth living.
1: Thank you. I'm wondering at uh, what process in the other books did you start writing these um, observations? Was it a relief from the other work?
2: Um, well, I, you know, I don't think really what I'm doing or calculate or plan anything, I just do whatever comes you know, in my way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is kind of obvious to me now that I did this as a way of getting away from my struggle. Because my struggle is about, you know, my interior life. It is all about um, my inner self and, and my emotions and feelings and thoughts and, and everything and all my relations and my place in the world. So, and this is the opposite. This is, you know, what's outside of that person and what's outside of that inner tormented soul uh, and that was a relief and it was you know it was joyful to write these texts mm-hmm. about things and objects and and that's is of course also a risk because you think literature has to have you know a kind of a has to be something troubled or problematic or a conflict or something dark or so I, I took a kind of a chance when I wrote this because there is no there's a little bit, but but not much you know it is it is a completely different world, so I think
1: they do though lead into parts of yourself and your family, which I love. I love how, in a similar way to the my struggles, it's that association, that kind of automatic um, process of remembering um is all in there,
2: yeah, it is. Uh, and that's interesting, I think, because, you know, there is this kind of structured like an encyclopedia. You know, there is a word and then there is a description of what that word means. And I love encyclopedia and just, you know, that concept of um, that it is possible to, you know, to collect and gather the world in, in writing. But if you do that yourself, uh, write a, a, a encyclopedic text. Uh, through your, you know, your own style and filtered through your emotions, it, it changed completely because there's nothing objective to it at all. It's, it's, um, it's a very personal world. And then you realize, but that's the world. I mean, that's, that's how it is for everyone, of course. So it, is, it was fun to play with that kind of expectations that an uh, uh, encyclopedic text would have. And then, you know, my own view on, on the world. And that's, that kind of collision is... Yeah, that's, 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 you know, somehow at the center of, of the book.
1: Are there any objects that are free from your feelings?
2: Um, no, I don't think so. Um, but, you know, I had, like, when I, when I wrote, it's four books, it's many, many words and objects. And, and when I, uh, every morning I had, had words on my screen I gathered, I collected mm-hmm. words, so I had, let's say, I had two, three hundred words. So I spent most of the first part of the day to just pick one one of the words, and then I found it the the big words like love or war or brain or star or those kind of words was very difficult to write about because there's so much
1: so encompassing, yeah,
2: yeah, and also there is so much in them already. Um, And the easy words were the one that I didn't know what to say anything about when I picked up. There is Q-tips, you know,
1: Uh
2: or toothbrush, or those kind of words. I I looked at it and I looked at the toothbrush and I didn't know what to say about it and just started to describe it. And then it was like it opened up kind of a little miniature world (laughs) inside of that and that was um that was that's the texts and you can see that because i didn't edit them all, or it is written in one sitting and you read it in one sitting and you can see how you know this object opens up so <laughs> that was uh that was um that was kind of interesting and also after this i wrote a book about a painter called about monk uh and in when i wrote that i read a book by Gilles Deleuze about another painter Francis Bacon and he's he's very occupied with the um, process of painting mm-hmm. you have a blank canvas and you have a painter and you have you know the the brush and 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 he said w- what it is about is to remove things from from that you know there is no such thing as a blank white canvas it is filled with things that you that you think you know about the world, you know about the tree, if this is a tree Mm. you're painting. So you have to remove everything, and that's what it is to paint, that's even before you start putting, uh, you know, colour on on the canvas. And I think it was the same thing in in this writing process, that I had. it is about to get rid of what you knew about something and just try to, you know, to, to see it as it is, which is, of course, impossible, but it is a challenge to try, you know. And then you see it's kind of differently because you're out of that automatic perception that we that we really live in. That was, I think, that was why I did it. This, just to to try to see as it is through you, you know my own temper, of course, and, and my own experiences and so on. But that's the that's the thing, and that's also why many of these texts are kind of very childish, and and they they. They say the obvious, you know. They describe something very obvious, and that's that's why.
1: You mentioned painting, and you paint. Is that that's right?
2: No, <laughs> <That's laughs> I differently. Doesn't insult to painters. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I really don't. Um, but I was um, a few years ago. I was. I, I didn't. You know, I, I was depressed, I think, that's the, the right word to say now. I didn't know that that was the problem, but I couldn't, I mean, I almost couldn't get out of bed and almost couldn't walk, you know, I was like, I was really, it was really hard. And then I drove into Eastern, which is my neighboring city, and, and I bought oil and a canvas and, and stuff, and, and, I, and I started to paint. Uh, and I was obsessed by it for, I painted like 16 hours a day, and I, and I completely got out of the depression, but yeah, very simple means, it is colour and shape, and you make it, you know, it's fantastic, but if you look at the paintings, it's in, they look like, if you can imagine a man, 70 years old, he's retired, <laughs> and he thinks now he should start to paint, so he paints the, the blue sky and the yellow fields, you know, that's, that's kind of paintings they're very happy and full of li- life and very n- naive and and simple-minded so it's nothing I will never show it to anyone uh, but I do do that for myself yeah. it's kind of a joyful thing and if you are writing it is you have always publication in mind you know so it is always a kind of a pressure no matter if you how good you are at not thinking about that but it is always present so this is a way of doing something completely without pressure, you know. It's just, yeah, it's just fun and joy.
1: Well, one of the pieces in there is about Van Gogh. Yeah. And I'd forgotten, you know, I studied art and as a, you know, all through uh, high school and university, and I'd just forgotten these basic facts about him, like that he hadn't really started painting until he was 27. Yeah. And I loved in there you talk about how... It's the lack of form. It's kind of taking away all the formality when he was able to be free enough to do that. Yeah. That the genius or the, um, I mean, whatever that thing is, of um, is able to break through. And almost in a same way, like your kind of eradication of form allows for a movement. And um, like, you know, it's like, I think, Well, I'm just looking at the cover of the book, and it's of an ocean, and they just remind me of that—like these big, moving, shifting um, tides of thought and feeling. Um, Why were you drawn to him particularly?
2: Um, He's—he's very special, I think, just because that he wasn't gifted (laughs) or talented. He was, of course, somehow he was that. But when you see his, his uh, earliest paintings, that's so obvious. And if you, for instance, uh, Edvard Munch, mm. they started to paint the same year. But Edvard Munch was 16 mm. and, and Van Gogh was, you know, 27. And Munch is obviously talented and and, and he's, yeah, it's it easy for him, you know. And then you see Van Gogh, you know, he's struggling <laughs> And it isn't really good, and then but then something happens you know during that process, and ten years later he's dead, and everything we know from him, which is so much, is made in those ten years, you know' It's so intense and but it is kind of a basic thing for everyone who who writes or paints or makes films or it is it, he is kind of at the core of it, you know it is the struggle with. Your inner self and your inner vision and and you know there is something you you want to get to, and then you have the means to get there, which is technique and and language and and stuff and that's the that's the kind of struggle everyone has to to deal with, but it's so very special with Van Gogh because it starts out you could see it so clearly and there is a, a I just wrote uh, an essay. I was asked to why I write. Uh, <laughs> that was the task I got, uh, and there I used the example of Van Gogh. Uh, exactly this, but but it starts out with uh, with uh, a passage from uh, Tolstoy in War and Peace, which I think is also um, kind of essential to what, what art is or what writing is, uh, and why we do it and why we read and. And it's a a very beautiful scene where uh, Prince Andrew, uh, he's um, meeting Natasha Mm -hmm. Rostow, and he's coming to their house and she's playing the piano. And he's chatting with some other ladies there. And then he starts to uh, listen to what she plays and he starts to cry. And he is, um, this is very confusing for him because he never cries and there's no reason for him to cry. And then he asks himself, you know, why? Could it be this? Could it be that? And then, no, it isn't. Because it, it was also very joyful. So he was very, just full of sorrow, sorrow and joy. And, and he said, he states that it is because of the terrible contrast between the inner boundaryless, no mm-hmm. boundaries, mm-hmm. the inner, what would you? Infinite. Uh, yeah, mind, something, something like that, that, yeah. that world. And the contrast between that's the inner uh, bonelessness and and all the bounds and limits in the outer world you know and, and that's his, his state is you know extremely elegant and very precisely and this is almost like a joke when I when I recite it but that's the that 's the thing I think there is there is this uh, discrepancy between between those two levels, and we all live in that you know and and literature and art is the place where where you could see that and where you could communicate that between people, you know. So that's why I think I feel less alone when I'm reading a book than almost when I'm speaking <laughs> with someone. Sometimes it is like that, and I, I think it's because of that, because you tap into that inner world that everyone has. But There is no way you can express it and communicate it. I mean, here across the table, no way you can do it. But you can do it in writing and in painting. And So I, I think that's... Um, and van Gogh fits into that I think, because that's what he he the, he wants to th- and he wants it so strongly you know to to break through um and he he is extremely successful in that because his lo- his last paintings are there i think it's uh, they are amazing
1: I also think that because he cuts his ear off like it's such a, s- it's a physical Kind of um, way for us to see his inner turmoil, yeah. like, and because, and somehow we're all able to fixate our inner, like, like rage, turmoil, passion. You know, into we funnel that we project all of that onto him because he did this also kind of violent thing to himself that yeah. we might not be able to do although you have done something similar, haven't you? I
2: was very young. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I'm so interested in that. Um, another part which kind of feeds into what you were talking about, I mean, you talk so much about shame, yeah. Um, but also how um, kind of thank goodness for shame in some ways because it gives society limits. You know, yeah. without it, we would, you know, potentially do all these other things, but... How shame and desire are so linked, and that the de- the, the part of, of shame that's linked to desire is infinite. it opens up, it creates worlds, it takes us on journeys. Um, could you talk a little bit more about that? I know the passage I'm talking about, which is probably a controversial one, um the labia yeah. one, and then yeah. it leads in you know it all it, you were talking about how suspect the male gaze is now but then kind of from that it leads into this kind of beautiful moment of like why you love women, you know the woman and kind of that journey that happens um with desire
2: yeah yeah that's uh, i I don't think really (laughs) i can talk about that uh uh, because that's an an area that is you know surrounded by what just you know what you can say and can't say Uh, but I I wanted to have it in the book because this is a book about the world and this is you know a major part of our world mm. is 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 sex and is is uh, love and is the phys- also the physical part of love and and I wanted to have the same gaze on that as all the other stuff in the book. Uh, but it is intriguing to me how how desire. Change the world, you know. Changes into something, and you are in that. And it is, uh and then when when desire leaves, it is like like a tide, you know, going back. And it's okay. This is what it looks looks really looks like. That's you right.
1: Know. And then you see all the broken shells exactly, and like the exactly. the row, you know the. I'm just looking at a water bottle, you know, the plastic that is left in the ocean mm-hmm. that makes you angry, you know, yeah. all those things.
2: Yeah, um, but it is a state of mind, and 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 it is, you know, like it's kind of an elevation, but a very very physical one. Uh, and it is it is filled with so many good things, and it is that's so interesting in itself. I mean, I write a lot about art and how art elevates and you know is meaningful, but this is. Also, very, very meaningful. I mean, it's like the meaning that just doesn't exist if if you are filled with that, you know. So it's um, and it's so essential, and it's so something taking over yourself. So you're not you're not controlling yourself, you know. You can't control it really. It is it is those basic things uh, that I really want to write more about because I'm very, very interested in the physical presence we have, you know, in the body and in. Uh, in the material matter, mm. um, but it is very hard to, to talk about, mm. uh, less so to write about. But still, it is hard mm. to write. But I ha- that's the text I had to force myself mm-hmm. to write. You know, because it is very unpleasant to go there. I mean, I have. You know, I have. Yeah, we you all know what we all have. we was surrounded by people who read, read, and think. Okay. Are you really saying this in public? You know, it's. Um, uh, yeah. And I didn't actually remember the text before you mentioned it, so I have you know, just hidden it the moment that I did it. But shame is, is a very big part of it also, um, because um, shame is a restriction, of course, and it has to be, and it is a restriction for a reason. Uh, and I do think it is you know, a, a very important thing. I think shamelessness is the worst. You know, you have a brilliant example of that in this country. At the moment, a person who is shameless could say whatever he wants to say or do whatever he wants to do there's no correction Mm. and that correction is uh, in 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 book six of my struggle i'm writing about that correction what happens if that's not there you know the uncorrected being uh, which is a yeah fairly well-known personality type and and i think we all you know know of have part of that ourselves um i think my father somehow was was that kind of person uh, so shame is is a way of uh, yeah correct and, and, and tune you into the others, uh, you, those you are surrounded by. So it's a good thing, but it's hard if it's too much of it. Uh, and in my case, in my life, it has been way too much shame. So I, ha- I haven't been able to do almost anything. Um, and shame is, of course, uh, heightening the Pleasure of desire, you know, when you, when you are able to go above it and be shameless and completely free. And and I don't know if it's a very protestantic way of thinking. I don't know. Uh, but I think it's the same in, I wrote about apples, the same mechanism, you know. It yeah, is, that was yeah. so interesting,
1: <laughs> yeah. the freedom.
2: Yeah, but then the there is, the, the biggest pleasure is... If, if it's hidden and if it's hard to get and if well, it's like... Well, for you it is. That's yeah.
1: what's so crazy. Like, not crazy, but it's so fascinating. And I was kind of thinking, of course, like note to self, wait longer. You know, <laughs> what it, you know like yeah, but that how works. to like prolong pe- pleasure or like anything. Of course, it's we learn that it. it's so basic. But I think too, our culture too at the moment is so... Um, like pleasure-driven, or this idea, like of f- f- searching for happiness, yeah. And like, what is that, and why? Why are we obsessed with it? Does that create meaning, or does it? Is it so? Everything loses things when it's that simple.
2: Yeah, it's it's true. Uh, I think it's uh, true. And I, you know, I, I'm raising children in, in in into this society, and. Um, And I see so much of that, there's no resistance. They don't read books, they watch films and TV stuff on YouTube. And everything is easy accessible. Everything is easy accessible. They can really get anything they want. Um, And you know, that's good some way, they are they are instantly happy and, and and everybody's like that. So I won't, you know, put restriction to them. But then in another sense it is I realised what was good in my childhood was that it wasn't like that. You know, everything was hard to get and you had to work for it to get it. And now I sound like my grandfather or grandfather's grandfather, you know, and, and maybe that's the way it is between generations always. That what we had was good and what you have is decadent and you know. But I, I don't think so. I think this is that's why I'm writing about it. Of course, that it is very important. Meaning, you have t- meaning is you have to establish meaning somehow. You have to. Y- it isn't there in itself. I think. I don't know. It's hard. It's very abstract. You can ask me a more concrete question. I uh, maybe yeah, you can get there. No, that's
1: great. Going back, can I read you what something you read, you wrote? Yeah. Because I'm interested in. Um, you know, when you found your father's diary. Yeah. And as I was reading this, I felt, I thought what a gift it would be if my father had written an encyclopedia of just what he thought about things. Because I think, don't you think as children, we always want to know what our parents think in relation to us? Like everything is about us when it's kind of involving a parent. Like what does my mother, you know, how did my I don't really think about my mother's life before me, and yet then there's a point as an adult where you kind of realize that you want to know what they did before you and what they think about a peach yeah um and it felt like a gift to have that to have written that for your family um, and yet you have, the family is this kind of tragic, powerful place that forms everything. So I'll read this part and then you can talk. talk, talk. Three siblings, a mother and a father. That's you, family. I mention it first because it's what matters most, good or bad, warm or cold, strict or indulgent. It doesn't matter. This is the most important thing. These are the relationships through which you will come to view your world and which will shape your understanding of almost everything, directly and indirectly, both in the form of resistance and support. I love that part so much because it's like, this is life. This is the point. This is the genesis of everything. Yeah. Um, so did you ever think of that moment of reading your father's thoughts when you were writing this, like wishing you had had more access to his inner life?
2: Uh, I think the little access I got was um, was shocking um uh, because it's just a reveal that he had an, a life and, and thoughts and, and 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 was actually writing about it um and it was fantastic because it changed my view on him uh, or not my view but my understanding of him mm. somehow and it was touching because he was writing about how it is to be alone um, the, he did this as a part of a treatment. He was an alcoholic and then he was, I remember he'd just disappeared and the police was looking for him and nobody knew where he was. And then he was found in a hospital and he couldn't walk. It was a bizarre history. And I was, you know, I was, I didn't want to have anything to do with him. So I just he- heard about this through my family. They called and you have to come and get him and stuff. And we, no, no. Uh, And there he wrote uh, to his therapist, you know, and I know he kind of tuned in to her and, and wrote what she, you know, probably wanted. But then there is sincerity in it as well, and that was very touching. Um, and terrifying, too, because he was lonely, and I remembered, you know, he was lonely throughout my life. But I never thought that, because when I was a child and he was an adult, and I thought he was, you know, superior. To, he wasn't, you know, was a superior being. So I never thought that he could be lonely or... But now I see, you know, everything in his life says that I'm lonely, you know. And then he wrote kind of beautifully about it. And I didn't know he could write. And, and it, all of those kind of things were, <laughs> were mind-blowing to me. Mm. And then there also was this alcoholic diary he had just wrote down every day how much she drank. Just like take notes of it, you know. That was, uh, that was not so pleasant to see. And then he tried to stop. And you could see how tormented it is by the neck and it can't and it just continues. Um and those glimpses into his life changed um uh, changed a bit, I think, from my view of him. Um so it will be very different for my children. Um, with you know, their mother is also a writer. Mm. So I think they have so much access to us that I don't will they won't be interested. I think they won't <laughs> be interested. I think the day I'm gone they will be mm-hmm. and and that's a good thought that there will be something you know that i they could uh, because it isn't about me it is very much about us also in yeah. in in these books so, so that's a, that's a nice thought i think. but i'm sure they won't read anything until that happens
1: well that's i can't remember which interview or where cuz i've kind of absorbed them all and they're all just hovering around but you talked about this idea of iconic childhood memories how it really made me wonder like it would have for everyone but this idea that um, for you correct me if I'm wrong that the mother kind of disappears like you can't really remember what she says so much um, because your father was such a it was a terrifying experience to not know you know when there's that person where everything is oriented around them. Yeah. They're the sun, yeah. and whether their their moods shift, the household you feel it. Everything, and I think that's you know what you uh, talk about, and it made me think that like the good parent actually does disappear from the child's. Yeah. Um, like that's the healthy thing is to create a child that can go into the world without these. Um, kind of valleys of memory that are associated with pain. Um, And then I thought, oh, it's such a shame that it's the pain and terror that are the deepest ones.
2: Yeah, it's true. But it's, um, that's, you know, we're talking about selfless love. Mm. Uh, And even though the children won't notice or won't understand, it will still be in them, you know. And the thing is, you want to take credit for it. You know, you want them to say, oh, you were such a good parent. But if you are really selfish, yeah. you won't take credit for anything. It's, you just do it. And uh, my mother, it was very much like that. And I think many mothers I know have, are like that. And, um, and that's such an <laughs> achievement because, I, I mean, I want, I want credit. You know, I want someone to say, well you did really well now, you know, those kind of things. And, and it is all many things uh, when you have children also that you can, you want, you want and it's so childish, you want to, to stay to, you know, admire you and, and, you know, all those kind of things that you have to work with. I have to work with constantly to get rid of mm-hmm. just to, to be in that, you know, position of just give them what they need and, and step back uh and then, when you have teenagers it's it 's like I have now uh it's like um, it's a completely change of everything because then they confronts you and then it is about the confrontation and then it is about you and them and because they have to get away from you you know and that 's also very hard to deal with uh but i'm you know it's like i 'm still learning and I know i never would i never will be a perfect parent this that would never happen but i can 't You know, you think you are improving and then there's a major, major, what do you say? Meltdown. (laughs) Meltdown, (laughs) yeah. And then it's like starting over again. And no, no, but it is, it is, um, it is much more, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I get, uh, I um, admire my mother more and more during these experiences because I could so clearly see what she did uh, and how good that was um, for me and for my brother. Uh, but all of these things are, you know, invisible. Um, and you can go through your life without noticing them at all. And that's what makes it so interesting to write about. That's why I love to write about family and, and, and children and mm. and those kind of relations. Uh, and I was discussing this with my editor and I said, that's really what I want to write about. And it is so unsexy and, and it is so it is so far away from... Greatness, You know, in a way, but I do still, I still feel, you know, a a pull towards that area of life, maybe because I'm just, you know, in it now. Mm -hmm. And then we started to talk about how little, how few children are, you know, present in art and especially visually art. You know, if you see, if you see, if you go in a museum and see great art, where are the children, where are the families, where that kind of, that kind of life? And what is this, you know, um... About when it is completely, there's no attachment to that kind of life. What is it then? You know, and that's um, the artist who illustrates mm. autumn. She has that in her paintings, you know. And she and I discussed that with her too. And and she she said, you know, she's she's driven and she's you know pouring out things and she's very angry somehow and and there's a lot of aggression in it. And she she just works and works and works and 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 then she said, you know she got children, and it was the same it was it was just the same with children in it, you know, and she's great and 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 it just adds some dimension to it you know and it is that was part of her life, okay, then she did that and and um yeah it is it is almost like an and I never thought really about this but I, but I, but I think there is something there mm-hmm. the feeling of that it is um, very much unexpressed for me what's going on in a family uh, where it is to raise children where it is, because it is related to identity and a lot of things that I'm interested in but the, the, the appeal in it is that it isn't there's no language for it it's just something that's going on between us and, and we don't really see it or, I mean I don't really see it or think about it so that's where we want to go with writing, you know.
1: Well, and also childhood, the way, like in the part you read, it's the where there is no, um, you know, when that distance, you grow older and there's that distance created between you and the immediate world. Yeah. Like as a child, you're so present. Everything affects you. There's no, um, you know, you'd never hear a child go, what you know, I want to create some meaning out of this day. You no. know, there's <laughs> no self actualizing no, no, no. happening in children. No. And God, there's just so much of it now. Like I'm I'm interested okay, I'm gonna I go somewhere else to the porpoises quickly in the book because um I'm so interested in how you talk about uh fate in all the books and whether you believe in it or not. And um, kind of the Greek notion of it, and in the uh, the portion of the book where you're talking about the porpoises, and you're with your grandfather and cousin, and there is that moment where um, I think we've all had it hope you know you know in certain where something in nature or something happens that makes you believe in a god or believe in a presence that's yeah. something is happening. It's a sign, and um, in that passage you talk about seeing them and hearing them and that before that you hadn't believed in cause, the cause and effect of things particularly, and yet you're on reflection, you know, realizing that something in you had changed and who's to say, um, you know, there isn't some puppeteer or some something. And I wanted to know when, when did your kind of... Um, clinging to real realism and rationality when did that start to fall away or has it
2: uh, that's, a, that's a, that you know I can't really say that it is um, it's like these thoughts have no history it's <laughs> like they all have been the same um but there is so much in you know the process of writing that is um it is about uh, um non-rationality it's about what happens when there are no rational when there are no logic when there are no thoughts or or Mm. whatever and I've learned to trust that that something will happen and it is accidentally and it but it leads to something and and accident if you look at it afterwards you see there is a certain logic to it but it's just a different logic and having experienced that because you do that when you are writing uh, you start to think maybe this logic is a surface thing when it comes to everything, you know. Um, and then this text is because my grandfather he re- really believed in science, you know, that everything meant, especially birds. Um, but um, and that's I think I was with him when we saw these yeah. creatures, and and it is just a way of. Now, when I'm writing, challenging the notion of you know, you know, the casuality, you know how mm-hmm. it is, uh, and 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 raise you know the thought that maybe it is different, maybe it really is different we just can't see it, but we can feel it, and I'm just interested in it. I don't know if to what extent I believe in it, but I, um, you know, there is an I think I wrote about that, but my I, there is something in norwegian called it is if your presence is um, before you so you know if someone hear you coming into the house uh, and then they go down yeah. and there's no one there and then you arrive 10 minutes huh. later uh, my mother had this experience with me when i was a, a child i was there was someone in, the, in in the hall and she no there was no one there and then i came in you know 10 minutes later and she told my grandfather and he said, well, this means that he will live till his 100 and we have a long and happy life. And I thought that's just such a great... I love that. ...great, <laughs> great thing. And, and, but he was full of that, you know. And my mother's sisters is too. They believe in those kind of... N- not to the full extent. I mean, they are not crazy people. Yeah, but there yeah. is kind of... It is a part of, of, of their lives. But my mother is so rational, so logical um she doesn't have that but i still think it is somewhere in her um and um yeah, no, i'm uh, attracted to those kind of things mm. uh to different logics
1: no i'm always interested in whether like how how in control we are of shaping our future yeah and like to what extent we exhaust ourselves to create, to push against something. And we see it. People do it. And, you know, we applaud them. You know, they've really worked at it and they, you know, made it to where, I don't know. But I find your book so interesting because the sixth one, which I haven't read, I've heard you talk that it's kind of, it's the result of the other five. Yeah. Um, And so it just poses this question of, like, whether you are now, like, whether you're, Creating your life through the work, you're like a performance artist yeah. in your own yeah. world.
2: Yeah. But that was that was part of how my struggle was to to open up that field between literature and and real life. That if I write something, put it in the world, I will get something back. Mm. And it will be in the yeah. other book and I will get something. B- I mean, there is a kind of yeah. an interaction between it. Um which I I think the first time I saw was in Don Quixote in the sp- opening of book two mm-hmm. when I read about book there you know that kind of yeah yeah that's kind of um, I always love that I don't know why but but that's part of that's part of uh, my struggle project and it is also you don't know what will happen you know it, it's it is completely open I have no idea what what I'm doing really and you know it could be terrible someone could have you know taken their own lives. Because if they were in this book and there was a lot of pressure and maybe maybe that would happen. That would be a bit disaster. And it could be many, many things could happen. And the thing was that it would go in in the books. Mm. Um because I think you know I I really want to write about life. And there is like there is a veil between the writing and life and but what happens if you do this and and kind of interact. Mm. The literature and life in that way. So it is. It was like a performance, um, doing it uh, in that year when it when it was done.
1: So with this book, Autumn and the others to come, there is a. Um, it reminds me of like what Duchamp does, right? He does. He takes an object that people thought was, you know, should have certain thoughts about it, or diminishes it, and you you kind of. S- eradicate the hierarchy between things, which is what you do. I think in all your work, right? You, you say, you know, you wash the dishes and then you read Heidegger, and that is life. Like that's what you do. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that is part of, um, this project.
2: Yeah, that was how it. That was the course it took. You know, especially that with hierarchy between things, I didn't think of that. I, I started to see it when. Hmm. when this project was, you know, underway. Um, So I had no... I had no... You know, I didn't know what this was doing uh, until the moment I started and I could see it. And it is like the form in itself, it's the restrictions that is in this project is saying something on its own, just by, you know, just by... (laughs) coming into existence, which I find very interesting. So there's many, many things I, I didn't say in my struggle, couldn't say in my struggle, which is said here because of the form, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's another reason to write, that something appears when you are writing that you weren't aware of. You may be aware of some bits and pieces, and, but not you don't set them together, but a book do that for you. So it is, um, it is, yeah, it's like reading a book. The book puts something together for you, and it's the same with writing. You know, it's like it has its own—not its own life, but its own
0: logic—that
2: mm. gathers things in a certain way, and then something appears. You know, so I had no, I had no plan for this, and, and other than I, yeah, well, I think, I it needed to be joyful to write, and joyful, you know, a, a joyful book. That was. I think what I really wanted.
1: I've heard you talk that that um that kind of the being the the ecstasy the the selflessness you talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, I talk a lot when about. When the that, writing yeah. is yeah. when when y- it's complete um there's no self awareness because yeah. you're so inside of yeah. the the force field, whatever we, yeah. y- we call it. It's the thing that we all artists crave for you know the painters they w- they want this thing to overcome them so yeah. they when we, we wake up from it and we're not quite sure what has happened which sounds like yeah when it's going well that's yeah. what the process is for you yeah and i heard that you talk and that with my struggle that really didn't happen because it was about you and but in your first novel that had happened and that that was what you were often you know it's like the junkie in us, that is what we are yeah exactly. we are craving for yeah. as a you know if you've had it, you want it again yeah exactly. did it did it happen in this book because it wasn't so personal
2: uh it did actually happen in in my struggle too, uh, strangely enough, uh, especially in the later books because I think then I was used to. You know, used to the torture of writing about yourself, and then kind of could let go. Yeah, could let go. Um, yeah, this book was was like that, but it's very different because I, <coughs> in a novel, it takes months to write, mm. and there is kind of a slow, you know, movement, and everything is very slow, and 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 it, then it's like if you if you walk up and you go into it and you just you know slowly are led somewhere uh If you do that every day it's, it's like um it's easier and easier to get to lose to lose yourself, but in this book it is like starting beginning something every day mm-hmm. so it 's like really like writing a novel a small 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 novel every day you know uh, and it 's a different process uh but it do did happen uh, and i couldn't be able to write something really um if not for that. So the texts that are most analytic and, and those are, you know, like academic work mm-hmm. for me and, and there's no self uh, selflessness in them. But some other things are, you know, and, and um, yeah, it is, you know, it sounds so mysterious and sounds like, you know, something mystical. But it is really just concentration, you know, it's mm. a matter of being so deeply concentrated in something that, that you and everybody knows that feeling. Or it is like reading something really, really strong.
1: I think we have to end, which is so sad. Oh, I have so many more questions. But thank you. This was wonderful. What a pleasure. What a gift to have had you here. So thank you very much. For more about this interview and about Lit Up in general, visit us at thelitupshow.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Lit Up Show. And of course, please
0: don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.